0: Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Hagen. Wait for you to sit down and then I'll. Alright, let's all stand up. You should be used to that by now. Come on, I thought you'd just be. Glory to God. Are you serious? For sure. Let's lift our hands. Jesus. Let's get ready to honor the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then in verse 14 in John chapter 1, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how we know absolutely it's Jesus that is the Word. So when we read of the Word, which is alive and active, when we study it out, when we partake of eating the living bread together when we commune with the word it's jesus we're having fellowship with jesus fellowship with one another as a family on this the lord's day and fellowship with the word which is so so powerful so god i pray that each and every one of us would increase in hunger for your word we love your presence we love to worship. We love to linger in your presence, and Lord, we also are so hungry for your word. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Fan into flame that hunger, that fire for your word. Let it be like fire in our bones. Let it, let that hunger, let the word of God be like fire in our bones. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you just grab the or grab the hands of the person next to you and uh, just begin to release, pray for one another. Say, God, stir up even more a hunger for your word. Stir up even more a hunger for your word. Don't let anyone miss out. We pray for each other. We encourage one another. We provoke one another unto good works, the Bible says. We provoke, that's why community is so important. We provoke one another, stir or we stir one another no greater prayer than to pray for one another to be hungry for His Word, which is the truth, and the truth is what sets us free. And uh, there's always more levels of freedom that we can walk in. Amen. And all the saints said, Amen. Glory to God. Now you can grab your seats. Wonderful job there, Moses. Moses, everybody. And I love the worship. Uh, That last song is probably one of my favorite songs at the moment. And guess what? It's a homegrown song by Mr. Kyle Barnard. Glory to God. Come like a crashing wave. So good. I love the flow of the service so far this morning too. I feel like it's a left-right, left-right, leg kick, uppercut. To the devil, it's, just, it's a combination that's flowing, and I feel the devil coming down today, in Jesus' name, <laughs> hallelujah. Hey, uh, I just got handed doctor's reports, and we're going to add this to the, uh, the documentary testimony. Uh, in September the 2nd, we have the report before prayer, if I'm not mistaken, Kieran, the before report, uh, which indicates... Uh, 12 lesions, cancerous lesions on the liver. The doctor said that we can we can provide some sort of medical treatment, but it can only prolong your life. The maximum amount of time you have to live is 18 months, and uh, but more likely between 6 and 18 months you've got left to live. That's not, not a great report, particularly if you're not a Christian at that stage or you're not certain about your salvation. And... Uh, So that's the bad news. But then Jesus steps in. You know, I think about this. I think about the Garden of Gethsemane and the literal drops of blood that Jesus sweated uh, because of the pressure, because he began to feel the weight of the sin of the world come upon his shoulders. And he knew that he was going to the cross. Not only was it physically going to be excruciating pain that he was going to have to endure, but also the, the pressure on his soul and on his spirit as the weight of, of humanity's sin, the entire weight of humanity's sin, past, present, and future began to come upon his shoulders. And I think about that prayer that he prayed when he said, Father... It was like that moment of pressure in in his, because he's fully man and fully God. And he's like, Father, if it be your will, can you remove this cup? But God, not my will be done, but yours. And I believe that it's moments like this. It's reasons like this that he went to the cross. He's like, even though it is so difficult right now, I want to do it for Kieran. I don't want him to die young. I want to take these stripes so that my people will be healed, so that my people will be reconciled. And so a year later, by the way, it's over 18 months now, so the doctors got it wrong. The doctor's report was wrong. We love doctors, but in this case, they're wrong. And uh, heaven's report uh, is here. And this one says, uh, primary tumor, no reoccurrence, nodal disease, none demonstrated, uh, media, tesis, none demonstrator, liver, clear, is Jesus is king, amen, glory to God. So Maddie's putting that testimony together, and uh, we would encourage you, testimony, if you look at the meaning of that word, it's got lots of layers in the original language, and uh, By implication, it can also mean multiplication or do it again if you study that word testimony. So one of the reasons that we love to share testimony is obviously because we just want to celebrate that Kieran's got more life and it's amazing. And we also want to celebrate Jesus because he's amazing. Um, But also we want it to bring multiplication. We want it to spark faith in other believers and perhaps other people that are suffering with various ailments or illnesses And when they hear the testimony, they believe that God can do it. And believe you me, he'll do it again. If he can do it once, he can do it twice. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. (laughs) Glory to God. Uh, Yesterday, we were, by the way, my wife sends a love. She is in Manningham, uh, the Manningham Christian Center, uh, preaching this morning. We tag-teamed a conference over the last couple of days which was the first time we got to tag team together. It was really cool, bringing the devil down. But they wanted the better preacher this morning, so they requ- requested uh, Chelsea, my better half, and so she's ministering there. But yesterday was very, very powerful in a number of ways. One of the highlights for me, just while we're on the subject of testimonies, there was a, a lady that we called out a word of knowledge for someone that had really ex- excruciating pain that was kind of on and off, but when it was on, it was excruciating. And uh, anyway, a lady came forward for that, stood up, and uh, she had one particular uh, area of pain in her body was her foot, and she could put no pressure on her foot. She couldn't rotate her foot. She had some weird growth. I can't remember the actual terminology for it, but on her foot, and she said it was infused in ligaments, et cetera, so they were looking at how they are going to cut that growth out. And then she had an appointment with a surgeon in two weeks, to put five pins in a foot to try and get it to rotate again and to try and uh, allow her to put pressure on it. And so uh, as she stood up, we just activated the congregation to lay hands on her because the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall. Man. Do you know there's, there's only absolutes in the Word of God? It's not a variable truth that applies sometimes. It's, if you'll believe it, it applies every time. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And uh, there was certainly faith in the in the room. We've been teaching on faith for the whole, like for a couple of sessions. That's why I love conferences because you can just keep building into it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, uh, and so anyway, a, a bunch of people prayed for her And we activated, in particular, a number of of people that had never prayed for anyone before, so it was really exciting to see their expressions when this lady stood there, and right in front of their eyes, this weird big lump disappeared, like totally disappeared, like on the spot. It was the lump that was infused into her ligaments, and then she stood up and demonstrated publicly with everyone full rotation in her foot and full pressure in her foot. And she's up dancing and celebrating Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And it was only in two weeks, she was meant to have a, a meeting with a surgeon to put pins in her foot. But Jesus stepped in. He is, he is amazing, man. He is amazing. So uh, I think you should um, probably give God more than a golf clap this morning for that. That's a hole in one. Jesus. Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Papa. We could just keep going with miracles and testimonies because Jesus is doing it all the time. Amen. He's the king. We're going to open up our ministry time at the end of this meeting. And uh, we're believing for many more miracles. Every week we're seeing people saved and people healed, whether it's in our Sunday service, whether it's in home groups, whether it's in our everyday life, our lifestyle that we're living as Christians, or whether it's during our street ministry. Uh, By the way, we saw more people healed and born again on the streets with our outreach team on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. John Boy, do you just want to stand up so everyone can see you? Because I want to point to you during this service. And uh, there's a number of people, Judy, a number of leaders that are consistently um, leading a great team of people that are not only Fire Church, but from various churches, and we're consistently going into the highways and byways and reaching the lost, amen? So we're going to get into the Word of God this morning, uh, and I also want to reveal something to you, I know a lot of you may already know this, but... One of my jobs this year is I'm the, now the Associate Director for Awakening Australia. And one of my jobs is to go to various churches and meetings and pastors' networks and uh, and share the vision for Awakening Australia. Here's the cool thing. The vision for Awakening Australia is to serve local churches. Uh, and so we want to, it's not a separate thing. And so we really do want Fire Church to be a part of the overall vision of Awakening Australia, one of the many churches, I think there's at least 70 churches now that have uh, given us their thumbs up to partner with the overall vision of uh, Awakening Australia. And so I want to talk a little bit about that vision because it, it ties in with heaven's mandate really for every believer, uh, and it ties in certainly with uh, the heartbeat of Fire Church, but in some ways it Helps us zoom into some specific goals that together I believe we can achieve together as a community, but also together as a nation. And you know, it is better together, amen. In fact, that's probably worth saying to the person next to you it's better together. Unity is a big piece in God's kingdom, and the Bible says that God, in fact, it, it says He commands a blessing. When brethren dwell together in unity. So it's an absolute promise that when we'll do it together, it's way better together. In fact, there's blessings coming upon you and your family and your marriages and and, and your businesses and, and, and your passion and your heart, it flows. What's on the house flows into your life because you're a part of the house. What's on the church flows into your life because you are the church. Amen? And it's better together. So Jesus is king. So the mandate, we're going to, specifically I'm going to talk about some of the main points for the mandate, and then we're going to really zoom in and unpack one of the main points in terms of the mandate or the vision. So one of the things we want to do is put together, and it's already started, a prayer network, a nationwide prayer network. How many people know that we need to pray if we're going to see uh, the outpouring that we're all believing for and expecting this year. Yeah By the way, how's the 21 day fast going? We're more than halfway through. Come on, we're up day 11, I think if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I, I was struggling, I must say, a little bit early in the piece. Uh, a little bit narky, a little bit frustrated. In the flesh, my humanity took over a couple of times with uh, Chelsea and the kids at home. Oh, yeah, I, I have bad days too. Uh, and a couple of times, I just laughed in the midst of feeling frustrated because I realised it's probably just the come down from the sugar. Like, because I'm not eating sweet foods, and and uh, not that I eat that much sugar anyway. But it's just interesting the struggles. But also, too, it is spiritual warfare when you enter into. Fasting, it's spiritual warfare. I mean, we know that when we study the 21-day fast with Daniel, we know that he was entering into warfare, and literally angels were fighting in the spirit, and as Daniel was praying and fasting, because we know we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and wickedness in the heavenly realms. We also know it was absolutely spiritual warfare when Jesus stepped into a 40-day fast. It's not going to be any different for us. I mean, there was all sorts of temptation to eat. The devil's throwing all sorts of even part truths in there. He's even twisting scripture to try and get Jesus to stumble and to fall and not to yield to continue in that 40-day fast. But praise God, he endured and pushed through it and resisted the devil. How did he resist the devil, by the way? Anyone know? It is written. It is written. It is written because it's the shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts from the wicked one. That's what it says in Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter 6. The armor of God, the shield of faith, extinguishes the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I loved what Christy said. When it comes to anxiety, depression, fear, all of those things, it's not who we are. It's not our identity. It used to be our identity when we were, by nature, children of wrath. It used to be identity when we were sinful in nature before we were saved. But then when we come out of darkness, when we yielded to Jesus and made Him Lord, when we got born again, who's born again in this place? Who's not? Jesus, you're, you're in the right place if you're not for sure. Jesus is going to get you today. He loves you so much. He loves you. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Jesus demonstrated spiritual warfare and we know the best weapon is the Word of God. It's the it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and uh, it's also what brings faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and faith is also a shield, and it extinguishes the, the enemy's fiery darts, okay? So uh, it's important. We've got to learn how to knock the devil out. We've got to learn different combinations to bring him down, amen? And uh, he's not going to win. Jesus is king, but he'll try, Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church or against the army of the Lord, but he didn't say the gates of hell won't try to prevail, amen? So we need to, in some ways, be on guard, not in a paranoid way, because stronger is he that's in me than he that's in the world, but we do need to understand that he does have tricks, and, and, uh, and we, we need to be uh, aware of those things. So anyway, um, one of the the areas of the heavenly mandate is prayer, a prayer network. And so at 7 p.m., we've asked everyone to set their alarms on their phone as an ongoing alarm clock. There are thousands of people that have committed to that already across the nation. We constantly have people sending us like photos of uh, footage of like home groups praying, individuals praying, people letting us know that they've began to pray even like in the midst of a dinner with unsaved family and friends. They say, sorry, I just need to stop for a minute. And they stop the convo- you know, conversation about the footy or whatever they were talking about. And then they just openly just begin to pray for our nation. So no matter what's happening, we pray at seven o'clock. Yeah, come on, Jesus. So uh, who, who would like, firstly, who's already set their alarm at seven o'clock for that? Oh, you guys are awesome. Come on. If you haven't, um, I would highly encourage you, even right now during the service, uh, I'll actually, normally we say, you know, don't be on your phone during the service, but on this occasion, set your alarm at 7, amen? And let's do it, be a part of this prayer network. It's one of the key strategies. Now, some people just pray for a few minutes, some people will pray for an hour, two hours, and obviously we're not just limited to 7 o'clock to pray, but it's a great strategy to link people together, to pray together, with the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, and we know it's prayer that brings that outpouring. Amen? We can have the best strategies in terms of marketing strategies and all these things, which are important. They can be anointed, and God can lead us in certain directions to do things with excellence. But without prayer, there's no real point. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit. And God wants to co-labor with us to to see the Holy Spirit activated in ways that we've never seen before. And I believe that we're coming into a season where God is pouring out His Spirit in ways that are unprecedented. And I believe that this year, is it's just one of the waves. Awakening Australia is just one of the waves. The had Stadium, seeing that filled for Jesus and seeing tens of thousands of people reaching out, seeing the mandate of 100,000 souls, it's one of the waves. I don't believe it's the pinnacle. I believe it's just the start of what God's doing in this hour, in this season. If you believe that, give us a big shout out. Jesus! The other one is lifestyle discipleship. Many people say, oh, I'm not. You know, they're skeptical of these big events. They go, oh, I hear the statistics of, you know, they come up the front at these big events, but then they don't get followed up, and they don't get discipled, and they fall away, and what's the point, etc., etc. Uh, I actually was speaking to the vice president of the Billy Graham crusade and uh, in, in Germany recently, and statistically, because I've heard all sorts of stories about uh, the success rate of these events, but if you really do a proper study... Man, these events back in the 50s completely changed the face of the church and the nation. I mean, crime the crime rate dropped dramatically during the late 50s and 60s. The increase in people um, stepping into Bible colleges, the, the Bible sales themselves uh, tripled, quadrupled uh, all across the country. There were some churches that uh, in, after one uh, meeting in Sydney, their church tripled. After, and, and 70% of those people stayed in church and are still serving and leading in churches today. There are thousands of people that are pastors and still serving as missionaries as a result of those meetings in the late 50s and 60s. So um, that's the truth. And Victor Ham said that uh, they are at 70% in terms of people that come forward to receive Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. 70% of those people lock in, plug in uh, to be discipled in the local church. So yay Jesus, Amen. So one of our strategies is encouraging lifestyle discipleship. So we're not relying necessarily on the local church to disciple people. Uh, we're not just giving uh, the pastor a whole bunch of people that he doesn't know to cold call uh, in terms of you know, people that have signed a form. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we believe in an even greater strategy is empowering the person that brought them to that event. Uh, and we'll take it a step further. We're encouraging people as a lifestyle, not just waiting for an event, but every day beginning to disciple their friends and family and everyone being a part of the, the heavenly strategy of discipleship. Amen? So taking someone out to coffee, being family to someone, reaching out, bringing someone around for dinner, and making disciples together collectively as a lifestyle. Amen? Yeah, that that deserves some praise for Jesus. It's not my idea, that's his idea. You'll see that consistently throughout Scripture. And the mandate of 100,000 souls for Jesus, I'm excited about that one. That was one that dropped in our hearts as we were praying, actually in our office upstairs here. And so that's a national target. And it's not just a target that is going to be met during that three days. It starts now. In fact, it started in january this year i think i was talking to someone i think that collectively we're nearly at a hundred souls that we've seen saved in various ways since january as a as a local body and in our campuses etc which is phenomenal i want to encourage you please we're starting to gather statistics uh nevin's actually going to be helping us with statistics hey nevin if you didn't know already this guy's like nevin can i dub you in for a sec They made a documentary about him. I went and watched it in the city. It was awesome. But he is the king of Sale of the Century. Like, he won Sale of the Century, and then they got him back as, like, the best of the best, and then he won that too. And who wants to be a millionaire? And So uh, he's, he's got a great mind, and so he's going to help us remember things. <laughs> Statistics. So thank you, Nevin, you're a legend. Glory to God. We want to be good stewards of the statistics. People are going to look back at this time in history, and we want to be uh, uh, accurate in our statistics. So anyway, uh, I spoke to a pastor in uh, Tasmania, and he said, look, our local team in Hobart, we, want to, we feel we want to take on the responsibility of 3,000 souls uh, for 2018. And various places around Australia are committing to take on the responsibility a certain amount of number and they're just going to believe God and really use that as a, as a, a target. You know, how Paul said, I press towards the goal or I press towards the mark of the high calling. Goals are important, amen, and it helps us. We go, God, we want, we're believing for that amount of souls. We want to see it happen. And it also inspires, when we, when we see this happening around the nation, like testimony inspires us to keep going to press. And when you have vision, when you have goals, it's a lot easier to resist the enemy we have purpose, we have passion, we have reason to be alive. Amen? So uh encourage you to join us in the 100,000 souls. But here's the big one that I want to pick apart today, and uh, I'm going to try and smash through it. But it's the breaking of the fear of man. Alongside those other main points, we believe that this Point is so important. This goal of seeing the fear of man broken off people is really one of the major keys, like prayer, like outreach, like discipleship. But this is one of the main keys to seeing the church rise up into the fullness, the fullness of the stature of Christ. uh, Fulfilling our destiny as individuals but also collectively. It's one of the main keys to see a city transformed, to see. A nation transformed. Uh, one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to keep us in fear. Sometimes we don't even believe it's a sin. We don't even realize it's a sin. Like we resist lust, we know that's wrong. Pornography is wrong. Fornication is wrong. Adultery is wrong. And it is. It's horrible stuff. We stay away from that. But it's clear that it's sin. But sometimes fear, we've been tricked into thinking that we can tolerate fear. But actually, the Bible says, what's not of faith is sin. What's the opposite of faith? Fear. And so a lot of us have even believed, like what Christy said, that fear is who we are. And we think it's a part of who we are, and we're constantly struggling with the idea that we're we're someone that's, I'm anxious, and we actually claim it. We speak it over our life. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. And we actually uh, release a, a demonic prophetic word over our life in that sense. You know, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I want to smash that idea. I want to break those chains today. I want to give us a couple of really, really key points to help us be a people that are bold and to live out boldness so that we can see the mandate fulfilled over this nation and also in your personal life. Amen? You guys up for that? All right, let's give Jesus some praise. Let's get into it. Proverbs 29.25, we're going to start with a left jab, okay? Proverbs 29.25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. Let's have a think about that for a minute, or maybe even 10 seconds. I'm going to read it again, though. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. So the enemy has got a lot of Christians believing that fear is who they are. It's something that they just need to manage, that they need to deal with and tolerate. And a lot of Christians are driven by fear. And the enemy has them, even though that they've been set free from the prison of sin. It's an interesting analogy that we use sometimes when we bring the gospel message. That sin is like a prison and that everyone that is unsaved is like in a prison. And that's a true and correct analogy. And we sometimes will preach and we'll share that Jesus comes along and he has the key to open up that prison door. How many people have heard uh, an, an analogy like that. It's a correct analogy. I'd encourage you to use it. It's, it's accurate. So Jesus comes along, opens the gate, but it's up to us to walk out of that gate or out, out of that uh, prison door. And some people, sadly, through their free will, are deceived even to stay in the prison, even though Jesus has made provision and made a way for you to come out of that prison. So sometimes Christians come out of that prison and they're free in certain areas, but then the enemy comes with lies, and in particular the context today, this can be this same principle applies to a number of different areas, but certainly in the realm of anxiety, fear, and he puts fear on us, sows uh, seeds of doubt and lies, and then we begin to believe something that's not true about ourselves. And we don't even realize because the Bible says the God of this world or the devil blindfolds the eyes of the unbelievers. So we're in this blind deception again in this area of fear. We're no longer bold, but we're fearful. And he pushes us back in another type of prison. And we end up being unbelieving believers. That sucks, man. We don't want to be unbelieving believers. And so we want to smash those lies today. Amen. We don't want to, so a snare means a trap. And that's where I got that picture of the prison. It's like the fear of man puts us back in a trap or a snare puts us back in a prison, even though Jesus has made provision for us to be out of that trap. 2 Timothy 1.6. Now we bring truth. Okay. If you've believed this, and I'm talking about God doesn't want you fearful in any way, in any realm, in any environment, in any circumstance. Some of us are bold in certain areas where we're comfortable, where we're familiar, but then we're placed in another certain area or environment and we yield again to fear and we put ourselves back in a trap. But God wants you free in every area of your life. Amen. Why don't you say to the person next to you? Just declare it. Declare it to the person next to you and say, get ready to be set free in every area of your life. How can you be so sure preacher? because the Bible says it man the truth sets us free and it, man you're sitting here because you know it's true amen so why not have it all? Why do you only want partial amount of freedom? Why not have it all amen? Let's have it all. Jesus wants you to have it all. He went to, he completely went to the cross. He didn't just half, halfway go there. He went all the way, even into Hades, took the keys of sin and death and come back alive three days later. He went there, he went all the way so you can have all of the freedom that is destined for you, that is your inheritance as a son and daughter of God. And while I'm on that note, not only did Jesus provide the provision to let you as a criminal out... Truth is, he doesn't even see you like a criminal now. You're not just someone that's a criminal, a dirty criminal that's been let out of a prison, and we just hope they don't do it again. You're actually considered by Jesus. It's like a father coming to the prison and paying the bail and saying, "Son, I'm so glad you're out. I'm so glad you're. Out. It's like you've been trapped in that place, but I'm so glad you're out. I love you." And it's it's reconciliation in relationship. There's no condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? You're completely free, and and you're loved. You're his beloved. You know what? He can't even remember your past sin. That's what it says in Psalms. As far as east is to the west, he's removed your transgressions. In other words, it's long gone. The blood of Jesus has eradicated your sin. The enemy might try and remind you, and in your old soul patterns, you might remember certain triggers that remember in Little things that come at you to try and get you to believe that you are, again, a criminal. But the truth is you've been delivered. And he's made you completely brand new. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. Let's declare that together. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become brand new. Come on let's declare that a little louder sometimes volume can determine the the faith level when you say it it's faith you can say it and not have faith and it won't do anything let's declare it with faith with boldness i am a new creation, I am a new creation. all things have passed away all brand new. Behold, all have brand new. behold all things have become brand new i heard when i said um All things have passed away. Some of you said old things have passed away. That's true, but it's even more powerful if you'll say all things have passed away. All of the old things have passed away, yeah? Let's say it again. I'm a new creation. All old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become brand new. In other words, you're born again, God's breathed his life in you. you were once dead in your transgressions, but now you're alive in him because of the blood of Jesus, because of the mercy of God, the mercy of God that endures forever. Things in this life will pass away, but his love endures forever and his love will never fail. There's not someone in here that he'll do it for. That's a lighter thing. I oh, know he won't do it for me. You don't understand what I have done. What I've done is a lot worse than what these guys have done. These guys have, they've had their hands soaking in, in beautiful white stuff for all their years. But I, my, there's blood on my hands, man. I have been a horrific sinner. It's the same blood. There's not a stained sin in this place that he can't wash away just like that. It doesn't matter what you done. not I mean, the dude that wrote a lot of the New Testament used to persecute Christians in such a way that he would want to murder them. And in fact, did participate in the murder of Christians. And yet the blood of Jesus washed his sin away, even the sin of murder of Christians away and empowered him with a destiny in such a way now that we still read this old murderer's letters. That's why he said, man, I'm not deserving of this wretched man that I am or wretched man that I was. That's good news, amen? Glory to God. We need to understand that if we're going to walk in boldness and freedom, you need to understand who you are. It's condemnation. It's the belief of condemnation. And the belief of lies in terms of your identity often is one of the main reasons that you yield to fear and not to faith. So we need to hit it from lots of different angles. That's what we need. Uh, It's like, Holy Spirit, martial arts, all different combinations to bring the enemy down. Amen. He's got nothing on us. Jesus is King. 2 Timothy 1.6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Everyone say stir up. Who's he saying this to? The church, but also Timothy. Interesting. Interesting. Timothy is one of his best leaders, someone entrusted to even go into other cities and ordain elders and establish the church in other various places. He was overseeing one of the most healthiest churches in his time, the Ephesian church. And yet Paul, his spiritual father, the overseer said to Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you, reminding him, even someone strong in the faith, everyone needs a reminder. Everyone needs to continually, in an ongoing manner, stir up the gift that's in us. What's the context of stirring up? Let's have a look at the next verse, verse 17. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why do you need to stir yourself up, Timothy? Because fear, an external force, is trying to come against you. The fear of man needs to be broken. The fear of man needs not to be tolerated. How do we do that? We stir ourselves up. What are we doing right now? We are stirring ourselves up. Amen? The word of God stirs us up. Praying in the spirit stirs us up. In Jude 20, it says, Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. Seven o'clock every night, together, unified across this nation, we stir ourselves up, we pray, we believe, we push through. When Goliath presents himself, we stir ourselves up and say, Who is this to defy the armies of the living God? Even if everyone else wants to yield to fear, I will not. Even if I have no carnal weapons to bring this beast down, I know I don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in the heavenly realms. And I know that there's a power in me that's stronger than any principality over this region. Because stronger is he that's in me, than he that's in the world. And I don't just want to declare it, I want to believe it, and I want to show God I believe it by stepping out in faith and bringing that thing down in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give Jesus a praise. Yes! Glory to God. So Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift. Then verse 17 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So in other words, the spirit of fear or the the temptation of fear or, or fear itself, you need to understand, Christian, Christ one, disciple of Jesus, you need to understand fear is not in your makeup anymore. God ripped that out. You have a spirit of love and power. You have a spirit of love that is perfect, that casts out fear. The two cannot mingle together. It's not who you are. So when you feel it, you need to understand it's an external force. It's like a mirage, the, that unusual thing that takes place in the desert, that phenomenon. It looks so real. I've never seen one personally, but I've, I've studied it a little bit. It seems so real, but if you walk through it, you realize what you saw with your eyes or that feeling, that image is not real, and you can just walk on through it. In the same way, fear may be encamped around you, may be pressing against you, but it's not who you are. Anxiety, depression is not who you are. It's an external force, and maybe it's there because you believe lies. And so we need to stop believing lies. We need to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. We need to resist the devil. But not only do we need to resist the devil, we need to submit to God. One of the best ways to resist is to submit To be in awe of Him, to be in love with Him, amen, to worship Him. Worship is a weapon. As we love God, as we're intimate with Him, it's a lot easier to resist. It's a lot easier to expose the lies of the enemy so we continue to march on for His glory, amen? Verse 8, so after he says, after he reminds Timothy of his identity, that he doesn't have a spirit of fear, it's not him. He's got one of love, power, and sound mind. By the way, that's for you too. It's for all of us. He then goes on to say, therefore, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what? The testimony of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of expressing your relationship with God, not just on Sunday, but everywhere. Don't be ashamed of letting the river of life flow out of you. Don't be ashamed of freely giving to someone else. Don't be afraid or ashamed of the thoughts that they may have towards you because you're talking to them about the gospel. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Ashamed and afraid, they're part of the same family. They're cousins. They're not good cousins. Amen. Uh, Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We're of the family of God. The father of lies is the enemy. We're not a part of that family. I mean, we're a part of the family of God. And other people in your family might be trapped by the father of lies and that's why you need to free them and they're not going to get free unless you step out in boldness and in faith people on the streets aren't going to get saved if you don't step out in faith people in your workplace aren't going to get free if you don't step out in faith and reach them and love them love the hell out of them amen Come on. glory to God I know it's hard I remember a time, and I'll, I'll finish with this and then we'll do some uh, ministry. But I remember a time where it was like parallel times. This was one time God got me to do something really crazy. Uh, who said of the Apex gang? Okay, so um, it, was, it wasn't called the Apex gang back then. I think they were the Bloods. But it was uh, these Sudanese guys and they were live, I was living in Noble Park. This is before I was in full-time ministry. Although i am always been in full-time ministry, if that makes sense. I was drawing my paycheck from another job. I was a field manager, but you're always a full-time minister. Did you know that? Amen. Anyway, so I'm in Noble Park before I'm married. And the first day that we move into this house, there's this gang right out the back of our fence, off their faces on cask wine, smoking marijuana. And some people might think, and by the way, the crime rate in Noble Park at that stage had peaked. So much so that the Herald Sun had done a double-page spread Uh, because the crime rate was higher than any other place in Australia and the devil really had a a grip over this particular town in the southeast. And so the gang that's causing all this trouble is right at the back of my house when I'm moving into this house. And the temptation would be to fear and say, man, I'm not moving into here. This is ridiculous. I'm going to move somewhere else. But my heart said, yes. My heart said, this is a divine setup, not by the enemy, but by God. These people need love. These people need the gospel. Amen. These people need the same grace and mercy that I'd received. I remember one night, purposely went out amongst them. They were partying off their faces. And I went right up into the middle of them. And I felt the Holy Spirit say something crazy. He said, go up to them and pick a fight, but not in an aggressive way. Pick a fight with the devil, but the devil that rules them. And went right up to them and said, you guys have been, you guys have been running with the one that killed my friend and I've got a problem with you and it was weird because these guys that had a a notorious reputation that probably didn't experience this type of boldness in their face, it was a supernatural boldness, not a natural boldness I didn't want to do it in my own strength just being obedient to God and stepped right up in their face and said that and a few of them took a step back and I could see one of them just clench his fist and get ready it's, it's on and I said man there's been stabbings there's been all sorts of stuff in here and you guys are running with the one that did it and they're like what are you talking about man we don't even know you who's your friend what are you talking about and I had the Bible with me and I opened it up and I read John 10:10, 10, 10 and I said the devil comes to kill steal and destroy but Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly and I remember in that moment when I said that, two of them took a step back and one of them started to tear up. Come on. And his name was Moses. And his family, they had a strong Christian heritage back in Sudan. And there was another man named Solomon. And all of a sudden it started to make sense. These, their family had been praying for these young men. And these wow. young men gave their hearts to the Lord and then four others stepped forward and gave their hearts to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Come wow. on, Jesus. share that because that can sound bold and i was bold in that realm maybe because i'd come out of that area of drugs and gangs and so forth so but then parallel i was in this i was a field manager in this company and in a different environment around corporate people with suits god was trying to lead me to also step out in boldness and share my faith and i remember for six months i struggled with it i couldn't be myself around them i felt intimidated and there were, I remember even points where, I don't know if you guys have felt this before, but you feel so uncomfortable. I just had to get up at lunchtime. I, did, I felt so uncomfortable and pretend to go to the toilet, even though I just it was I felt the pressure, this fear, this anxiety that was opposing me so much. And I'm like, man, how can I be so bold in this environment and yet so fearful in this environment? And so I went about learning how to fight the good fight of faith. I remember getting all these scriptures and doing a study on, on who I was in this area of breaking the fear of man. And I remember um, posting all these scriptures up on my wall in the lounge room. And every day before I went to work, I would declare and speak the truth over my life. And uh, I remember six months later, it took a little while, but six months later, I remember sitting in that same position that I used to feel so anxious and so like weird, like I couldn't be myself and intimidated by the environment. And just through consistently speaking truth believing truth renewing my mind remember the bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind i remember feeling man that's lifted off i'm free and conversation begin to flow the river begin to flow fear was gone and faith came and begin to share testimony begin to speak life into these corporate leaders Isn't that amazing and i'm um, thank thank god because these days we're we're having to speak with politicians corporate leaders all sorts of people And we need to be free in those environments too. Amen? So God wants you free in every environment in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet. I know this is relating to some of you guys. It relates to everyone. So renewing the mind... Speaking truth, it's the truth that sets us free. Knowing who we are in Christ, they're all big keys. And then I love this last one. This is something that happens through community, through fellowship, through prayer. This is another way. I call it the uppercut. Remember the upper room? That was an uppercut to the devil. Well, in the same way, these, these 120 people that were in the upper room received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see in Acts chapter 4, some of the same people that were in Acts chapter 2 And now featuring in Acts chapter 4. They've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we see them praying a similar prayer to that that they prayed in Acts chapter 2. Who's with me? Who remembers that? If you've studied the book of Acts, hopefully all of you know this, but I want to refresh your memory because it brings transformation and it builds faith to receive what God wants to do right now. Acts 4.29, Now, Lord, look on their threads and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak Your Word. Everyone say boldness. So the context is the early church is facing extreme persecution. Not because they were obnoxious, but because they were holy and righteous and for the preaching of the gospel. If you want to step out in faith and believe for the mandate of 100,000 souls, you want to come out of your box of fear, expect persecution, expect difficult times and difficult seasons, but fear not, for God is with you. Amen? He's with you. He'll strengthen you and He'll make things turn around for your good no matter what you're going through. So this is their prayer. They pray to prayer. God, look at their threads and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Everyone say boldness again. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now check this out. This is what I want to see happen right now. Fire of God. Fire of God fire of God, Acts 4.31, we need this, we need this. For this season, for this hour, for this giant that we're bringing down in this nation, we need this. Acts 4.31, for the giant in your workplace, in your family, whatever you're going through right now, you need this. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, everyone say assembled, we need to not abstain or stop assembling together as brethren, as family, amen to continue to be an assembly and a family together. So important. As they were assembled together, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What's one of the overflow effects or the attributes of the filling of the Holy Spirit? The ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit we see here. Glory to God. The the Word of God does it And the Holy Spirit does it. You ready? And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need to keep assembling. We need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to keep asking and believing God, fill us afresh. Let that spirit flow through me. The word baptism means overflowing. Fully immersed. Let us be completely saturated with your anointing that breaks the yoke. We're not fearful. We're a people of faith and the People of faith, the sons and daughters of God, led of the Spirit. So right now, let's believe for that. I want to encourage you to begin to stir yourself up and begin to pray in the Spirit. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one, or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au.